0: Okay, we are in Luke chapter 16. Again, the parable of the dishonest manager, and we'll read verses uh, one through. We'll start with one through nine, um, and then we'll do a. We'll cover a few verses after that as well. But let's start reading in verse one. He also said to the disciples, "There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions." And he called him and said to him, "'What is this that I hear about you? "'Turn in the account of your management, "'for you can no longer be manager.' And the manager said to himself, "'What shall I do, "'since my master is taking away the management from me? "'I am not strong enough to dig, "'and I am ashamed to beg. "'I have decided what to do, "'so that when I am removed from management, "'people may receive me into their houses.' So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, "'How much do you owe my master?' And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. And he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill, write eighty. And the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Um, (laughs) I'm seeing some confused looks already. So, uh, what what is difficult, as we read through this for the first time, maybe you've read through this before, what is difficult about this parable? What seems odd? I've always read through this, and I I get to the end of it, and I'm just... I, this is strange I don't understand it, it seems like this shouldn't be a parable Jesus says so what what makes us say things like that about this parable
1: it looks like dishonesty wins okay yep okay
0: what else kind of jumps out that sounds strange
2: the children of this world are wiser <laughs> than the children of light Mhm. wow
0: okay
3: He's making a deal without discussing it with the owner. Oh yeah. And he's uh looking to it's just not really a, a right thing to do without the permission. Yeah. Yeah. Verse nine, the last. Verse.
0: <laughs> this is yeah. I, I'd sort of be okay with the story if there was some sort of better conclusion that Jesus makes. In my mind, right? Like it, verse nine is Jesus's conclusion. His, you know, his. This is what you're to learn. Statement. This is what you're to do. And it seems very odd. Yeah.
4: It seems to me he's identifying a certain naivety among Christians
1: okay. that needs to
4: be illuminated so that we are not certain <coughs> not yep. so um, uh, maybe incapable yeah. or something like that. Yeah.
0: Um. It's an odd parable, so Pat was very wise to uh, not to <laughs> just give it out it to somebody off. else. <laughs> There's a certain
5: challenge to doing things. That reserve it all for yourself. The other ones don't get the chance of the fun of it, too, you know? Thank, thank
0: <laughs> you. <laughs> so if I face planets, it's it's all on Pat. Um, all right, so let, let's, let's dive into this and see what we can learn. Uh, it's a fascinating parable. I really started to enjoy it after I started looking at it quite a bit. Um, so... Um, Let's let's dive in here. A little bit of the context: we're coming out of chapter 15, and Jesus has just spoken three parables, mainly to the tax or to the Pharisees and the scribes, um, because they were grumbling at him at the beginning of chapter 15, um, saying that this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he very famously gives the parable of the lost uh, sheep, the lost coin. Um, and then the prodigal son, which is probably the most famous one of the most famous of his parables, um, so that 's what we 're coming out of. but at the beginning of chapter sixteen, um, it says he also said to the disciples, um, so the the shift is going from the Pharisees and the scribes to the disciples, but the Pharisees are still around, as we find out down in verse fourteen of chapter sixteen. The Pharisees heard this parable, they were listening into it, um, and so they 're still in the picture. Um, to some extent, um, and we'll get to that later. That's, that's something that will apply later. Um, but I just want us to remember the Pharisees are still there. Um, and they have just seen Jesus challenge, or they've seen Jesus love and minister to reprobates and then give parables that challenge them to also do the same thing, um, do you think the people in our parable this morning, the dishonest manager? Do you think the people? Um, we have the dishonest manager, we have the rich man, then we have the debtors. Do you think they represent anyone? In a lot of the parables you can kind of identify. Okay, this person, the, you know, the person who is sowing, um, you know, is somebody who's preaching the gospel. Do these represent anyone?
1: It's kind of the world.
0: Well, one specific person or just everyone?
1: It's kind of the way the world is. Okay. Operates
0: okay
4: could we look at the debtors as sinners and, and another group as the righteous
0: possibly yeah one of the commentators yeah
2: would you say that the steward becomes an example to us as Christians so we the identi- identity of him to us his actions are imitable for us in another category
0: okay I don't know how far I'd want to take that because he's the dishonest steward or manager. That's that's the touch. That's the weird thing here. Like, there's some good quality that's that's imitable, but at the same time, it nobody going to come to this parable and say we should be like this dishonest manager entirely, right? He's not. He's not a good man. Um, one of the commentators I read said the dishonest manager was the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, I don't think that holds any water, but people have have certainly tried to to <coughs> hatch. Um, characters to the people in this. And some have called the rich man uh, God in this parable. Um, yeah.
6: Which that, by the way, that's not that wouldn't be as far of a stretch as some of the other. <clears throat> Only from the standpoint that it's obvious that God is Luke nineteen, yeah. the, the rich man that goes into a faraway country, and yeah. You know, so I mean, it's that, that one's more plausible. Yeah,
0: um, but but by and large, I don't think this is a parable where we should try to really specify which character represents this, which group. Um, I think this is a much more principle-driven parable. I don't think the people in it specifically are meant to represent anybody else. Yes, sir. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's more general, Mm -hmm.
3: but I also think that where he says in verse 4, I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. Even though I do something, I I have not been looked at in a righteous way, people will still like me. Do do we not look to draw the attention of people uh, to like us, and do we not do things, whether good or bad, Mm -hmm. to gain... uh, to their favor uh,
0: if we 're being <coughs>
2: you know, right.
0: selfish and yeah. prideful, yeah, we can do that, yeah, um, so we have a rich man who had a manager, so a manager in that time would be somebody who mm-hmm. basically the rich person or the head of the household entrusted his um, his affairs to um, you know, he he 's watching over his finances he 's buying things he's possibly paying the other servants. So this is somebody who um, is kind of a financial manager of this rich man. Um, this person would also have the authority to transact business. So you might see them going out and making deals with other people and doing things with the rich man's money. Um, obviously, the purpose would be to manage that that financial um, wealth in a good way, to earn more money to make good investments to make good purchases to pay people in a timely manner if you 're representing somebody especially in the areas of money and you 're starting to not pay your debts or you know uh, be late on giving somebody their paycheck or make a bad investment that 's really visible, um, and a lot of people will take notice of that and so the manager was supposed to be faithful and he had a kind of a job that was highly visible. And this is where the issue arises, is the manager has charges brought against him that he was wasting the possessions of the master. Um, This wasting word has a couple other uses in Scripture. One of them is in the previous chapter, Luke 15. This is what the prodigal son did, Luke 15, verse 13 not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered or wasted his property in reckless living. Um, in Matthew 26, it says that, that that famous portion where Jesus is in the garden and, and it says that the shepherd they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That scattering is that same type of wasting. So we kind of have this idea that the, the manager was, was kind of frivolously... Using and spending and, and just wasting his, ma- his master's money. Um, it could have been just laziness, it could have been irresponsibility, it could have been um, a lot of different things, but it was not a good reputation and he was doing a very poor job with his master's money. Um, and so charges are brought. So in the face of these accusa- accusations, the master calls his manager to turn over the account. Um, to I'm not sure if this means that he has to give an accounting for what he has, go- has done, or he's turning over his management of the account. But either way, that is the end result. He is going to have to, to stop being the manager of the money. He's, going, he's being unfaithful. He's being either lazy or irresponsible. Um, He's no longer going to be the manager. And and it's fascinating because he knows it's over. He doesn't try to defend himself. Um, He knows he hasn't done a good job. He knows he is unfaithful in his task, right? And he doesn't even try to say to his master, well, well, let me show you why I've been doing this. Or, no, these accusations are not correct. Um, The parable goes straight to the heart of the matter. This guy's done. Um, And even if the accusations weren't completely true... you're still done. I mean, if you're going to manage a rich man's money, you need to have a reputation that's, that's levels above where this, this person is at. Um, so either way, he is done managing the money. At the heart of it, the manager knew it was true. He hadn't done a good job. Right? And you see this in his reaction. So he says to himself in verse 3, what shall I do?
2: Chapter 16 of Luke.
0: Since my master is taking away the management from me. And we start to see the heart of this manager here a little bit. Let's look at. Well, first of all, there's no repentance. There's no remorse that we see from him. Right? There's no apology. In many of the parables, there's repentance. There's the, the servant who owes the great debt and he falls down and he begs his master to forgive his debt, right? Um, <coughs> this, this manager is just no remorse. He knows what he's done and he doesn't seem to show any care for it. And then he starts to think exclusively about himself. This person does not have a righteous, godly heart. What shall I do since my master is taking away the management from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I am too ashamed to beg. All right? He was a pencil pusher. He sat at the desk all day. He skipped the gym on the way home. Right? He, he was not strong enough. He knew this. And he's too ashamed to beg. He's too proud to lower himself to a level below where he currently is. And so he is exclusively thinking about himself. How can I get out of this situation? How can I make some, make this better for myself down the road? He doesn't care about righteousness or honesty or his master he is now going to make a future decision based on his comfort
2: hmm.
0: and what he can get for himself out of this. He says in verse 4 I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. That's the end goal. It, does, it doesn't matter that he has done a terrible job, he simply wants to figure out a way to be welcomed into other people's houses because. He's not strong enough to dig. He can't do manual labor. And he's proud. So he comes up with a creative solution. And he calls in the debtors. And we have debtor number one, who owes a hundred measures of oil, which is, according to the notes at the bottom of my Bible, that works out to 875 gallons of oil. That's a big debt. That's a really big debt. Um... Olive oil is currently $40 a gallon on Amazon. Right? So I know this is not the perfect comparison, but that's $35,000 of oil if you go up to 875 gallons. Right? That is a huge debt. Debtor number two owes 100 measures of wheat, which is 1,000 bushels of wheat. Kansas farmers... Today, currently harvest about thirty-seven point five bushels per acre. We're talking this guy owed twenty-six acres of wheat mm-hmm. to the rich man. Right? That's like sixty thousand pounds of wheat. Um, that's a big debt. That's a huge debt. And um, so the manager calls in these debtors, and the, and the parable only mentions two of them. But he says to the first one who owes thirty-five thousand dollars. <coughs> 875 gallons of oil, he says, take your debt and cut it in half and sit down. <coughs> we, we just need to understand, this is not, this is not, you know, somebody owing the rich man $20 and he says, I just give me 10. This is a significant debt. Yeah. This is a lot that the rich man is going to lose. All right? Manager manager has, has no skin in this game. <clears throat> right? He is not losing any of this. He is not forfeiting some of his wealth. This is all the rich man's. Okay? So in the very short time that he has from knowing he's going to get fired to actually being fired, he cuts the rich man's wealth by 400 plus gallons of oil. Right?
5: Okay? I suspect it's even a little bit sleazier than that still, because I think he has been fired, but nobody else knows it yet. <coughs> mm-hmm. So he's making his move before anyone before word gets out, because yeah. it says here yeah, he sent the he sent the servants, he sent other people to go call the call the the debtors for the house, so they yeah. don't even know yet that he's been canned.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, so so
5: he's, setting up, he's setting <coughs> up the, the debtors
4: <coughs> to be. Uh, uh, Favorable toward him, yeah. and the, the, the rich man who owns all this is, is getting
0: hosed again. Yeah, he does. I mean, the, the heart of this guy is just uh, it's black. It's abysmal. Do
4: uh,
3: you think that he knows the heart of the righteous man, however, and how he will react to this, <laughs> or do you think he doesn't really care? Because where it says mm-hmm. that uh, it says, and the master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. Mm-hmm what who's who knows the heart of what righteous man uh, do you think that the uh manager knows how the righteous man or the um the master will respond because he's basically a pretty easy going guy to get along with,
0: so he takes advantage of <coughs> of his way uh no i don't think so um he may mi- he might um but from everything we know about him, he's a very self-centered person. Yeah, um, And he is simply just doing something to make it better for him down the road.
6: All right. I think there's an ace thing going on here, too. He might be as old as Kenny Kozak. <laughs> the... Um, um, <laughs> can't afford to dig. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, you know what I mean? <laughs> <I'm kidding. Yeah. laughs> i mean, I mean, he's looking actually... I think this is more of a survival mode for him yeah. rather than just a practical thing going he's on. He's over there the he can't do the
0: manual labor. Right, yeah.
6: i right. yeah. like there's a lot of white-collar jobs available in the first century.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, we don't want to make excuses for him at the same time, though. Right? right he he's, he this is... This is not honest, righteous behavior by any stretch. Um, He's very selfish. He's very proud. Um, But he gets very creative and proactive when all of a sudden he has a need for it, a personal need for it. Um, And this is interesting because if you look at his management prior to this, he was a very poor manager. He did not think futuristically he did not act proactively he was not creative in the way he managed his master's money otherwise he probably would still have a job right he was wasteful he he spent frivolously he did not invest well and so now for the first time maybe in all of his management he's finally doing something that is somewhat wise when it comes to thinking about the future i mean he's doing it in an underhanded backhanded way in a way that hurts his master but there's a little bit of creativity and proactive planning going on here. But he's defrauding his master. <laughs> I mean, he's completely defrauding his master. Um, again, the, the quantities that he is, is giving in, out for his discounts, a 50% discount, a 20% discount, it's astounding when you consider what he's actually letting the debtors off with. So this is Our manager. And in verse eight, we have this this shocking turn in the parable, and this is this is what what parables often do. There's often this shocking thing that comes out and just, just strikes you. Um, but what should the master do when he hears about this? Beat him. Beat him. Okay.
4: Bring charges and you know bring some sort of judicial remedy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, we don't know what the master does with his debtors, but I'd go back to the debtors. <laughs> Guess what? You're know, was fired. You're still not getting your, you know, your, your discount. Um, there's, there's a lot of harsh things the master ought to do to this servant. He was not only dishonest up to this point, but he has now gone even further and been far worse. And so Jesus brings us to this very shocking moment in the parable. Um, and we need to think about who was listening to this. Certainly the disciples... Are hearing this and they are shocked. Um, I think the Pharisees were more shocked because down in verse fourteen it says the Pharisees who were lovers of money. Now this this is so so if you're a lover of money and you hear a story about this this person who has defrauded this this master this rich man of a lot of money, and you realize or you or you think that money is very important and you you think that wealth is important, I mean, your righteous anger. <laughs> Right, is going to just flare up, or, or your unrighteous anger in their case. Right? You're, you're going to be wanting this dishonest manager to, to get his due to be punished if you value money highly. And so in verse 8 it says, the master commended the dishonest manager. And we have our absolutely shocking moment in the parable. The master commended the dishonest manager. He was he was a he was a bad manager who acted irresponsibly. He got fired. He goes and blows more of his master's money to make it good for himself, and the master commends
4: him. So you kind of wonder. I think the it indicates that the the master's goal didn't have to do with money. It had to do with this. It, it, it. Because he's commended because he had acted shrewdly. Okay. So was the the master concerned about the management, the manager's ability or the way he had acted? Because he hadn't been acting shrewdly prior to this. Okay. Okay. And, but now he was. Always the master shrewd himself. Mm-hmm.
0: I think this guy's still fired.
4: Uh, <laughs> I
0: don't think he gets his job back. I don't think this is a big character lesson for the, the manager. I think he's still fired. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if the master is, I don't see any evidence the master is doing this for the good of the character of his manager. Um, yeah, I, you
3: used the term fired. (coughs) I think he's removed from that aspect of his service, but I think he's probably put in a lesser, a much lesser role because he's still a servant. Oh, I think he's gone.
0: I think he's out of the house, down the street, in the gutter. Oh, yeah, he is. He is so gone. I mean, he even how, knows how can he's gone. How
3: could he be gone, gone if the master commends him?
0: Well, it's a parable. <laughs> no,
4: it's part of the exit interview. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the,
0: the servant knows he's not. Right? The, the servant knows he's not going to work here anymore. The reason he's doing this is so that when he's out of the house, he gets to be welcomed into other houses. He knows it's over. Yeah. That's right. Um, th- this isn't...
3: I think that's the answer. He's going to depend on other people.
0: Yeah. yeah. This isn't about a, a heartfelt, heart-level interaction between these two people. There, there's a lesson here, but but the Master is not doing, some, doing this to the servant so he can work on his heart. He, Jesus is using this parable to teach us. All right? So we don't necessarily have to have redemptive qualities in the specific characters right we're, we're, we're learning something through this um, if I was the master I, I mean I'd look at this and say this guy is really fired now right but that was thinking that was that was clever I mean I'm out of a lot of money but man if he had done that while he was still working for me we might actually have a, some more wealth here where was that kind of wisdom and shrewdness when he was my manager so this is the lesson the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness and this is what Jesus it's where he stops the story it's what he points at it's what he focuses on it's incredible and then he says second half of verse 8 for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light and so that's that's an observation from the parable and then verse 9 he says and I tell you Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails you may they may receive you into eternal dwellings yeah, that's a tough one yeah. why is that tough because it says make friends for yourself
3: by means of uh, wealth of the unrighteous uh-huh. like take advantage of them okay and uh, you should succeed okay and and that they're going to receive you into their dwellings. It, it just sounds like <laughs> same thing is happening again. He's got the, he's planning to go to their homes yeah. and make friends with them, okay. and then when they fail,
0: okay,
3: couldn't that just
6: be a statement of? The interplay between children of light and children of darkness, and mm-hmm. the interplay we have with the world and the world system and the world <coughs> finances and the world businesses and, and the chain of command and masters and slaves. And from that context, it's there's a certain learning curve for how we engage people within the world. And this is one of the ways in which we learn it, from it the Lord how to engage with the world.
0: Definitely can be, yeah.
6: I don't see Quite that.
1: The rich man evidently was very rich, Um, easier to lose, he would have lost everything, but he gets half and 20%, you know, 80% of the amount. Shrewd people know shrewd people, Mm -hmm. and they take care of each other. Mm -hmm. Mm. And he's willing to let this man go, he's going to put, he said, I'm going to be put out. I'm going to be fired. Yeah. And the rich man can look at him and say, why? (laughs) <laughs> you know you know how to handle the situation yeah, and yeah. he knows man's going to probably do, go and do it again for someone else Sure. For someone else. Yeah. sure. and that's why Jesus says the, the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of life mm-hmm. how do we handle one another mm-hmm. okay. do we know one another do we know holiness do we know righteousness, mercy, compassion in one another And are willing now and then to take a loss. Be be defrauded.
0: Okay. Okay. (coughs) I
1: think this is just an
0: (coughs) example, parable. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: I think one of the ultimate uh, uh, lessons here is that Jesus is saying, don't be distracted or attracted to (coughs) the money and wealth and and so-called value, but use it Mm -hmm. for the. the things that you can gain advantage by by uh, manipulating. Okay. You know, don't don't be don't don't let money become a goal in and, of, in and of itself. Okay. Which I think is too easy to do. I mean, you want to pile up, you know, to mm-hmm. But use them. Use the, the wealth that God has given us for His ultimate goal, which is you know, gathering the lost. Okay. I just you know I had the
6: privilege to witness a young man. I witnessed to. Last couple of years who worked for me, and he's moving down south and with his mom and dad. And um, you know, I, I told him I says, you know, I says, there's more to life than eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. Righteousness, enjoying peace and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, I said, you know, I told him I said, you can, you can work your whole life, you can be successful in everything you do, but you're gonna die. And yep. in that, what I was telling him was what mm-hmm. this text was saying is eventually everything you put your heart into it's going to let you down. Mm-hmm. It's going to fail you. Yep. And therefore, yep. that, was the, that was my, my <coughs> by God's sovereignty, he put this young man in my life through the whole interrelationship we see here. Um, and yeah. uh, it, it was an opportunity to show that these things in the world that we all partake of, light and darkness. In terms of within the world of industry, yeah. uh, they really don't matter compared to the eternal dwellings and the eternal values.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, just a, a sort of a side comment, but something that's very um, important when it comes to the Pharisees, especially um, if, if you are a lover of money, you you miss the truth of this parable. Um, and that's something that they did, um, and I think it's it's an, uh, one of the more clear examples of what Jesus says in Luke eight when he's talking about parables mm. in verse nine. and um, he said it says when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. And I think. That is this. This parable here is a great example of that, mm. um, where the the Pharisees would hear this and, and just and just be completely bewildered. Um, that, how how does this even make sense? This this rich man, this manager, why are you commending it? They loved money. That, that was their their god, one of their gods, right? And they could not see this parable because of that. Um, And that's something, as as some of you have said, that is important to note about the Master. He is not showing a love for his money because he sees something else in the midst of this and he is not just focused on the money he'd lost and his love for it.
2: Just another thought here really hit me. Verse 4. That he's not so concerned about being reinstated to Mm -hmm. his job. He's lost his job. He's concerned about his future. Mm -hmm. And the best way to secure his future is to give his debtors a a deal mm-hmm. pay half of it mm-hmm. and they get away with having to pay the full amount mm-hmm. and as a result he ends up having a residence for himself they will receive him into their habitations mm-hmm. and the, even though the, the, uh, the Lord the master commends him for shrewdness he's not saying boy you did a good thing for me by collecting at least half of the money no. but you did a real wise thing for yourself
0: yeah yeah. Because
2: you are going to be canned and you're going to be out in the street but mm-hmm. not you've secured for yourself yeah. habitation. And mean, it, with your
0: definitely, and that's <laughs> when you start to see the, the value in this shrewdness. Mm-hmm. Um, shrewdness can also be translated wisdom or prudence. Yes. Right, there's there is some it's not just this shrewd underhanded kind of term. There, there's there's some good in that term.
5: This guy he made an absolute hero though, out of the owner. Because he went rural, there's no way the the owner's gonna go back and say, you gotta, that's not your money, <laughs> not yours. He, he, the, yeah. the whole community thinks this guy is like the greatest guy in the world right now. Okay. And so why would he go back <coughs> to those people and say, nah, it, it, my my, <coughs> my 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 guy was unjust. he really owe me that money. No way. Yeah. Everybody in the community mm-hmm. thinks this guy is great mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, I mean, he's got. If he goes back and does that, so, so this, it was just goes to show how intensely clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy was. He's yeah. more clever than we see on the surface. Yeah. This guy's got an IQ of about 200. <laughs> you know, he's an absolute genius. But, but uh, in a very self-centered way. But, but
0: only when he wants to use it, yeah. for, you know, like it, it. Well, yeah, he's kind
5: of like the Luther of the scriptures here.
0: Yeah. You know
7: what I mean? Because up to this point, he's a terrible money manager. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just... I think there's, you know, on purposely the parable is missing a lot of data that we can mm-hmm. look at and think about and stuff. Yep. And I started. I was sitting here and I started to think about this master guy, mm-hmm. and what his angle is on this. Now he commends the commends the manager, but mm-hmm. then it doesn't say whether or whether or not he allows the debtors to only pay the half or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: And I was thinking how. Much of a of a businessman like it would be if he says, Yeah, okay, we're going to allow them mm-hmm. to pay the half because it winds up being beneficial for him, and so he is looked at as just as nice a guy as the sure. manager,
0: yeah we uh and it's important to note that we don't have a lot of information. And that's, mm-hmm. that's crucial when it comes to a parable. Because uh, mm-hmm. if we're not given information, it, it most likely means that that is not the point of the parable, mm-hmm. or right. what we're supposed to focus on. The
5: only caveat I would throw to that is there are things about this culture we know nothing about, but that we Ooh. can learn about. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's background information that mm-hmm. people have that we don't, and it's incumbent upon the reader of Scripture to mm-hmm. get in there and find yeah. out as much as you can But what's going on in that culture. Otherwise, the Bible's not going to make as much sense as it could. So I do think that there's a lot of background information Mm -hmm. we can learn about various things as we go through the Scripture. Otherwise, we're just going to bring our 21st century Mm -hmm. idiocy to it. Yeah.
0: -hmm. Yeah. Um, But the most important thing to do is to focus on what Jesus focuses on. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this, he says the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd. And and this is kind of a a chastisement here. This is not not a negative to the sons of the world. This is saying they are better than you at this. And that's not good. The sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. And so we start to see the point of the commendation and the shrewdness that Jesus is focusing us on here, right? There, there's something to be learned. Uh, just as quickly, there's something else to not be learned, right? Like this. I think we all know this, but this parable is not showing us that te- cheating others is okay, or that being lazy and irresponsible in your job is okay, as long as you, you know, do something clever at the end, or that <laughs> being proud and having a selfish disdain for others is okay, right? I think we all know that.
4: Um, yeah, I'm just going to comment. It doesn't. The parable doesn't describe a Christian character, right? Or, or or someone becoming, you know, having more Christian character at the end of it. He's simply using it as an example of the way things
7: work. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's in a way kind of a warning and you may or may not agree but um, it's showing us that the world can be shrewd or another term you said was wise with Mm -hmm. the gifts that they have the things that God has allowed them to acquire and use and and all of that in a way that can be better in a way now not Mm -hmm. better as in for righteousness but Mm -hmm. Better in a way than the gifts that Christians receive. Um, we don't yeah. often use our gifts that He's given us.
0: Yeah, um, and that's I think that's that's getting close to what we're looking at here um, as the point.
7: Um,
0: we have to look at why this this, this manager did what he did. All right. He he saw his need. He saw something that was going to be a problem for him in the future. He saw the goal that he needed to achieve, right? and then he cleverly, shrewdly, wisely did something to work towards that. Right? that that's his shrewdness. That's his wisdom that's commendable here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Jesus' command is basically telling us to treat the things of this world as specifically as we see in this parable possessions, money, resources with the same forward-looking wisdom that we see in the dishonest manager. But what we look to and what our goal is is going to be far different than the dishonest manager. Right? But that, that method, that wisdom, that, that shrewdness that he employs is that which also we should employ it's just our goal and that which we look to is far different and Jesus highlights that in verse 9 he says I, I tell you make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails they may receive you into eternal dwellings okay? so the question for every believer becomes what is our ultimate goal what are we looking forward to what is that, that end that we are trying to achieve and, and it's, it's Christ it's heaven it's nothing in this world and so the command and the call is to use what we have in this world wisely and truly in a way that draws us closer to God closer to heaven closer to Christ
4: I think what he's also saying is uh, you know use uh, too often people identify money and wealth as uh, a, a goal or something really special in our, in our existence what he's saying is, it's a tool like anything else, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it should be used like anything else. And really, if our goal <coughs> is to uh, advance the kingdom of God, then it's it's, a, it's to be used uh, like everything else. I mean, and I think what he's really saying too is that you know, what is your re- what really is your goal? Are you, do you have dual goals uh, yeah. to please God, but also pile up a bunch of money or, mm-hmm. or you know be uh, secure and all that? Yeah. Or, or, or do you really understand the the, the ultimate goal? Really, is yeah. to advance the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah. Um, there, there's a principle in here that we ought to recognize the value of money, right? Recognize the value of stuff, and then also recognize it's going to fail. It's going to burn. It's going to disappear. It's all going to be gone one day. Right? And, and some of you, you may have seen this in your own life. You, you may have had seasons of great bounty and, and just things were going well and you had a lot and then at some point that all disappeared and you now have or there's another season maybe where you didn't have much and you had little right? it, it comes and goes, it's going to fail, it's not reliable it's, it's, it's money, it's only money, so we have to recognize that but we also have to recognize that it can be useful for our ultimate purpose, our ultimate goal so that causes us to also need to recognize the value of eternity
6: I think the right word is uh, access business money those allow you to gain access yeah but then the question is what do you do with it yeah are you the steward that God is trying to teach us how to be in this fashion
0: this manager was shrewd because he expended his resources on that which was valuable and that is what we need to be pulling from this and putting into our own lives expending our resources on that which is truly valuable
1: mm-hmm. I think where um, it says he who is faithful in what is least and then in verse 13 no servant can serve two masters mm-hmm. he's constantly saying which camp are you in yep. be faithful in whatever camp you choose yeah be faithful, yeah. because the people in the world, are faithful in what they're doing, yes. many times know how to handle their and yeah. situations. Yeah. And we, as the sons of God, we should know how to handle ourselves. But mainly, are we faithful to Him, regardless yeah. of little or much?
0: And and then that's that's the absolute key. That's where this parable goes. He, he points to the dishonest manager and he says, "Look how good he is at doing." What he or pursuing his ultimate goal. Yeah, and it's himself, it's a wrong goal, but look at how good he is at doing it. And that's the shrewdness and the wisdom that Jesus says you need to have that. Your goal is entirely different, and it's for Christ, it's for God. But that pursuit, that wisdom to pursue heaven with everything we have, is what we need to see and to draw out of this. And Jephthah.
6: No, but actually I was going to say that verses 11 or 12 really show that yep. Jesus isn't focusing mm-hmm. on the literalness of what this man did yep. in regards to being something good. Because yep. he actually rebukes the man by his application.
0: Yeah. That sort of well, let's read 10 through 13 because this does shed a lot of light on what he's focusing on here. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a little is dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. John Calvin says that by this comparison, Christ charges us with highly criminal indifference in not providing for the future with at least as much earnestness as ungodly men display by attending to their own interests in the world. How disgraceful is it that the children of light, whom God enlightens by His Spirit and Word, should slumber and neglect the hope of eternal blessedness held out to them. How disgraceful is it that the children of light should slumber and neglect the hope of eternal blessedness held out to them. It's a great quote. John John Calvin is very quotable. Um, But this is what the parable is getting at. Jesus says, "Where, where is your heart? Are you all about money? Are you all about this world? Are you serving money or God? The Pharisees especially thought you could do both. And they thought if you were serving God, you would be wealthy. And he says, "Where where is your heart? Do you love your money, or do you use your money to love God?" And the shrewd manager showed that the the ultimate goal was more important than than the money, in a sense, right? And and we as believers need to be doing this. And so the question becomes: Are we faithful with what we have now? Um, and it's not faithfulness in the sense of do you manage your money well do you have a savings account are you on step 7 out of 10 of you know wealth by the time you're 60 it's not a matter of of having earthly wealth when it comes to being faithful with money that there is some aspect aspect of that we're not to be frivolous and and either stingy or overindulgent in the way we spend but the real question is are you faithful to God with your money if If Jesus were to set your budget for the year, would it be different than how you set your budget? And this isn't poverty theology. We're not supposed to expend all of our money so that we feel like we're doing godly things with every dollar. Um, It's important for me to have some money in savings in case something happens with our home or with Larissa or with our baby, right? There, there's wisdom in those things. We're not supposed to just... We should not equate poverty with, with godliness. Um, but the question becomes, if God is the priority of our spending, does our spending reflect that? Or if God is the priority of our other resources, because the way we spend our time and our, our energy, does, does that reflect the priority of God. Because that's what Jesus is driving at here. Do you love God or do you love your money? Do you love your stuff? If I had more money, I would be more generous. Nope. You wouldn't. You'd be the exact same you are now. Because your heart hasn't changed. I could serve God more if I had a little more time or spare cash. You wouldn't. And that's part of the point of this parable. It's all about the heart of the matter. No one can serve two masters. John Piper says, the possession of money in this world is a test run for eternity. Can you pass the test of faithfulness with your money? Do you use it as a means of providing or of proving the worth of God in the joy you have in supporting His cause? Or does the way you use it prove that what you really enjoy is things, not God? If we are faithful, well, this, this is our chance to prove we're faithful with a little. To prove we're faithful with somebody else's stuff, somebody else's money. Because when it comes right down to it, God is the giver of all good things. And what you have is not your money. It's not your stuff. Right? This, everything you have is truly just a gift from God. And so the question is, are you faithful with the little He has given you now? Are you faithful with somebody else's things? In verse 16, Fourteen. it says the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. Um, and that, uh, that makes a lot of sense given how this parable goes um, and given the application of it. So, so the application just comes to our hearts at this point. You know, are we using all we have? Because this is talking about money. It's talking about the, the wealth of the rich man. But the question should go to all of our Resources? Are we using it to show everybody, to show this world that we love God?
2: Would a simple version of this be when Jesus says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, Mm -hmm. but lay it for yourselves treasures in heaven? Yeah.
0: (coughs) Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Yeah. Any other thoughts?
6: might be a little evangelistic tone going on here, too, that they would receive you in the eternal dwellings. Mm. In other words, the expectation of people seeing you, how you handle your faithfulness that's been granted to you, and how you're faithful with it, how God rewards you within that. Also, Mm -hmm. you'll see people that have witnessed that and receive you in the eternal dwellings along with you. I still think that
7: there's something lost in the translation of English. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh it is a
0: great point you know if if
7: if your neighbor is
0: you know financially hurting or or um needs something and and and, and you expend money on that person and you you care for them in that way um that that's that's an open door to show them the gospel that that is showing them the gospel it's an open door to 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 speak the gospel to them as well um the, the this is a great example of using everything we have to show others who God is, and one of the great ways we can do that is uh, doing things for people, um, you know, buying stuff for them. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's there's plenty of people, especially when it comes to food, that that Larissa and I will expend money on food to have them over and to spend time with them and just to enjoy a, a meal with them. Um, that, that's an... A small example of you know using money to show people, hopefully, the love of God. Right? Um, shrewdness is his wisdom towards eternity. Right? Wisdom towards eternity. So. As I studied through this, I started to actually really enjoy this parable. Um, I love how Jesus just turns the, the parable on its head and makes us all just wonder what's going on here. Um, but then draws out some really great heart application. What are we doing with our money? Are we serving God or are we serving our, our money? Um, that's just a wonderful thing for us to think through and to look at. Um, as you look at your personal finances, as you look at all you do with, with your, your, the things in your life, because um, as Christians we have one goal mm-hmm. we have one goal only
1: I think it's more than that it, it, even in the parable it's what you've been given hmm. I think it means it's beyond money
7: mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. talent mm-hmm. it, that's why I
0: said gifts yeah gifts given definitely yeah.
7: yeah I was just thinking it has a little bit to do with this parable but um, we've all seen on TV the uh, the, the wealth and, and, the, and the health gospel, and um, yeah. in some ways, some of the attraction to those types of religious organizations—I guess you could call them—is the fact that you know, if if I give money, God's going to bless me,
2: mm-hmm.
7: and that, in a way, starts to question. I think, in my mind, what this what this parable is actually saying is that yeah. are you giving money to get? good things mm-hmm. in, in this world yeah. or are you giving it because you want to help other people and it's from your heart and it's given to the Lord's ministry yeah. and I think there's an awful lot of p- people who have that concept confused
0: sure another great question is, is instead of asking how do I spend my money it's it's Lord how do I spend your money
7: Yeah.
0: Right, or mm-hmm. how do I use what you have given me right. so well, let's pray Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the way that you probe at our hearts and uh, and you don't set the bar low. Um, God, we are challenged by this this morning and I ask that you would give us all wisdom to look at how we are doing things and spending things and using what you have given us. Um, and may we honestly ask ourselves if we are using it to show that we love you. And I pray that you would help us to change where we're not doing that and Father we just we pray that you would give us a bigger vision of eternity so that we don't so much um, worry ourselves with the things of this world but that we start to see the beauty of eternity and the where we are ultimately headed and we start to live for that in everything God thank you for this parable thank you for challenging us um, and thank you that we can all just be here this morning learning from your word please bless our time. Worshiping together upstairs, please continue to draw us
5: closer to you. In the name of Christ, amen.
1: Thank you. Thank you, sir.